I would challenge them to see what can you do to become the person that you would be proud of? Who do you have to become? And how can you give that person to others? Because when we love the person we see in the mirror, when we're proud of them, we're excited, people are going to feel that radiating energy. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. We're joining this episode by Derek Johnson. Derek is a U.S. Army veteran turned life coach, and he helps people break old patterns so they can thrive and not just survive. Derek, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I see that you are an Army veteran. When did you decide to make the transition to life coaching? I decided when I had 10 years experience being a personal trainer. So I've been a personal trainer since I was 15 years old, which sounds very young, but I was always into sports and everything. But I got into the army when I was 19. And so years into the army, I got inspired to get into life coaching because I was working with soldiers, but also civilians. And so from there, I realized that I wanted to make sure that I could help people break the pattern of old ways that weren't serving them. So an example could be, I would see clients that I work with for months or years. And after we worked together, I would see them in person or online. And I saw that he or she would lose some of the progress, but I felt like I let them down. So that inspired me to get into life coaching, learn about psychology, break old patterns. And so nowadays people less likely go backwards. So it was more so that I wanted to offer more than just fitness, nutrition, and overall health. I wanted to break the limiting beliefs, get rid of the traumas, get their power back, create a better relationship with food, whatever their pattern or past thing is that they're carrying with them, we get rid of that. So nowadays they feel like they can thrive in more than just one area. Because some people they're great at one or two things, but the rest are like, eh, January 1st, I'm going to keep that in the closet. I don't want to talk about that right now. We pull it out, face it, and then take action together. You mentioned that you notice that sometimes people struggle when they're not working with you. Why do you think people have so many struggles now? I know we're living in a post-pandemic world as of the date of this recording, but what are some patterns that you see? The pattern is definitely our devices. So they're good and bad, but everybody's addicted to an extent. Even if we don't want to admit it, we all go through the loop. So we're bored. We open up email. We jump to Instagram, go to TikTok. Somebody else might go to Amazon and just add random stuff to a cart. Everybody has a pattern that they do. We grab it when we're stressed, when we're happy, when we're bored. (laughs) We just grab it at odd hours for no reason. And so we catch ourselves minutes later and like, how did I end up here? I'm like five pages deep or two videos deep on YouTube. But the pattern is definitely people don't have control of their attention as much as they used to. And it's mainly because the distractions digitally, the phones, the apps, all the programs can definitely help us, but it distracts a lot of people because then they're comparing themselves to others. They think they're not where they should be because others are their age or vice versa, or they're the only one in their friend circle who's not married or doesn't have kids, whatever the scenario is. But it's definitely that people don't have control of their attention like they used to nowadays. So people get distracted easily. So when their mind is getting endorphin hits by notifications, whether it's good, bad, whatever the notification is, then they try to get back into workflow or to flow state. It's hard for a lot of people Because then five minutes in, boom, something pops up and they click that. The kids need them. The dog needs them. Email, boss, whoever. It's like people are all over the place and they're like, can I just catch a break? So it's really hard for people I've noticed to 
stay focused on one thing for more than 30 minutes. So the attention span is now lower. That's the problem. But what are some habits that people can use to get out of that loop? Yeah, great question. So what they can do is first grab a sheet of paper and then write down what their actual digital loop is. Like what is the main app they open? Even if there's no intent behind it, they're like, hey, I'm bored. Let me click this. Or I'm in traffic. Let me click this. Or hey, I have a break. Let me click this. If they can write down what their pattern is during those time periods, they can see. Another thing with just social media in general is every app inside of the settings, you could look at your screen time, like from the app. Phones can do it like the iPhone and Samsung, they do it, but it's even better going into the app because a person might be mind blown how many minutes or hours they spend on said app per day <laughs> or by 12 o'clock. And they're just like, oh, no wonder I don't get nothing done. Like I'm on Instagram or Facebook that long because you don't realize my five minutes here, six minutes there, two minutes there. So I would definitely grab a sheet of paper and write out what their go-to apps are. And then two is click on the screen time just to give them clarity so they have awareness. Maybe it's just a couple minutes a day. Maybe it's hours a day, hours a week. But from there, they have clarity and they're like, you know what? These are my two most frequently used apps. We don't have to get rid of them if it's not extreme. But they can say, I want to be more intentional when I open this. If I open this, I'm going to respond to customers or clients or my friends and family when I open this app, I have a 15 minute break. Let me just watch some videos for 15 minutes, decompress the mind, but being more intentional about what they do with the digital apps can definitely help them. And especially once they see the screen time, they might be shocked but in a good way or in a bad way where they're like, okay, <laughs> let me take control of my time again. I know the example that you just gave dealt with maybe boredom or inattention, but what about people who are dealing with like pain or loss or grief? Is Are there different habits or how can we take that and flip that into something positive? Yes, for sure. So I would also create a eliminate sheet. So they grab a pen and paper and they ask themselves the question, what is something that I could get rid of or replace that would help me make more progress? And so I always recommend starting with what they eat and what they drink. And it's not fitness related. It's just more so them versus them. And they say, you know what? I need to eliminate the sugar intake because I drink a lot of sugar in my drinks or I eat a lot of that and it spikes my sugar level. And then I get hungry later. I need to eliminate drinking this, eating that. And once they go step by step with what they eat and drink, their mind will open. And they say, you know what? What are some other things I can do? Maybe it's they hit snooze five times every morning. And then like they wake up early, but then they lay there and scroll. Then they fall back asleep. They wake up. Stress and anxiety is up. They're running late. Uh, they're in traffic, whatever's going on. But first having clarity with themselves, being neutral, though, and just writing out what is something I could get rid of or replace that will help me make more progress. So I like to approach it with eliminate first because I'd rather have people for themselves get rid of some things before they try to stack onto their routine add on to the schedule. If they're already stressed, overwhelmed, and have anxiety, they're like, oh, now he or she wants me to do X, Y, Z. Oh, thanks. Now, I got, now I'm drowning in more tasks. So if they could first get rid of some things, they feel their power back and they can see how what they eat, what they drink, whether it's social media or maybe people around them, whoever they communicate with most, maybe there are some people that they need to fade away from or just communicate with less because they're only talking about negative things. So First, creating that eliminate sheet can give them a lot of clarity. And again, it's just most important is to be neutral. We don't want to be angry at ourselves for it. We don't want to be sad about it. We just want to say, hey, I'm going to treat myself like a science project. Here's the hypothesis. <laughs> what are some things this test subject could get rid of and just have fun with it?
One thing that you mentioned, any new activity, like the start of the new year, a new relationship, a new job, you're all excited. Like I'm going all in. But then sometimes the excitement wanes. So just realistically, um, if I'm going to start this program with you or this new mindset, these new habits, how long should I just be prepared to be in this place and to work on these things? I know eventually it's a lifestyle change, but do you recommend... 30 days, 21 days to get started. What is the rhythm that I need to kind of condition myself for? I would aim for 90 days going all in on something. And all in doesn't just have to be like a crazy fitness program or crazy reading or journaling program. It could just be the basics of let's just move the body, let's open the mind, and let's just get clarity. And it all starts with those small tasks. So if they open up their fridge or their cabinet and they say, all right, Earlier, I wrote my lemonade sheet. What are some things that I could give to my neighbor or give to family? Or let me just finish it and not buy it. Because sometimes it can really help somebody by not allowing themselves to keep said thing in the house. It doesn't mean they have to never eat or drink that thing again. But if if it's not within reach, (laughs) then they'll have more control, especially if they're working remote. So remote where people don't realize how many times they go to the fridge or pantry and that stuff adds up. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize that. But 90 days to do whatever they're focused on with their goal. It's all person dependent, but within 90 days, the whole intent is for them to stack wins. We've all heard the cliche saying it takes 30 days or 60 days or 90 days to create a new habit. Everybody says different time period, but within three months, somebody can make massive progress, whether it's with their spirit, whether it's with their religion, physically, mentally, maybe career-wise, if they're hyper-focused. And it's just the intentional feeling of knowing today is Thursday. As we're recording this, today's Thursday. Here are these main things that I'm going to do today. Here's what I want to get done. And then tonight with family or loved ones, we're going to watch a nice movie. But the intent is by the time they sit down or lay down, they feel accomplished that they completed their tasks and just focusing on the day that we're in. And so I just like to recommend people to just stack their wins. And what I mean by that, they wake up, he drank water instead of the sweet tea. She went to the gym or she went on a walk, just walked her dogs. She did this. He or she sent that uncomfortable email before they started the day instead of pushing it till 4 p.m., hoping they don't read the response. Like all these little things, they can stack wins and their mind will just be on focused on, hey, I can complete these tasks opposed to I'm overwhelmed in workflow. I'm overwhelmed from the holidays. But it's just the small, subtle mental shifts that then help them stack the wins to build some more momentum. But most importantly, is just to focus on the day that they're in, not worried about yesterday, not worried about tomorrow or next year, just strictly today. Today is 1228 (laughs) before 10 a.m. What is he or she going to do the rest of today? And just be hyper-focused on that because tomorrow's irrelevant. Yesterday doesn't matter. All that matters is today and right now in the present moment. And people, they tend to catch themselves where they become more present in what they're doing or who they're with or around. Okay. And so that really leads me into my next question about friendships and relationships. Because sometimes, like you said, we're dealing with work things, but we also have the personal side. Do you have any advice that differs for friendships and relationships as it relates to how to deal with your day and be present? Yes, for sure. So I would definitely recommend they categorize who to respond to first, meaning is your text response to your friend who always sends memes and funny videos, is that important to stop your workflow and to respond to a funny meme? We love them, but we all all have a friend that sends like 20 to 30 things 
every day, seven days a week. And you're like, I love you, but holy, <laughs> like do something with your time. <laughs> you're like, I appreciate the memes, but come on, let's get busy. So that's an example is like, we love that friend, but if we're always responding to that person, it's just going to get us off our focus. And that's, that's that positive friend on the flip side would just be to set the parameters as in, are we the ones just giving and pouring into their cup or are they also there for us and pouring into our cup when we need it? And that could just be actively listening. If you have a long day and you know your friend is just going to really be with you and listen, that's the go-to person. But not everybody's like that because most people, that they, they just listen to respond. They don't really listen to hear. And so if you just need to vent for two minutes, are they listening or are they just scrolling saying, oh, no, you, you said this and this? And you're just like, why am I even talking to this person? Because they're somewhere else or they're in their phone. So I would just really rate your circle and look at who's giving and providing value, who's also working on themselves, who's excited when they're talking to you and vice versa, or who only contacts you when they need something <laughs> or <laughs> when they just need to vent to you. Because sometimes it's just one-sided in the relationship. So I would look at that but most importantly, it's all for the individual. It's all for you. Because when we allow other people to continuously only reach out when they need something, we say yes. We're basically training them unknowingly to just depend on us and they become codependent. But on the flip side, if we just actively start to say no to situations, to people with no explanation, at first it's uncomfortable to some people. Like they don't want to come across as mean, but it's just saying yes to yourself when you say no. And it could be for small things. Maybe they don't want to go to the Friday group friend dinner. There's nothing wrong with it if they don't want to. Maybe they're just drained from the week or maybe they just need some alone time. But if they can just start to be transparent and then last but not least is to see who is in their circle that is also wanting to evolve and work on themselves. Who do they get excited around or when they receive a text? Or who do they cringe when their phone lights up? They're like, oh, is that Uncle Joey? Is that my auntie who's just complaining about politics again? And just really assessing who is who in your circle, who's providing value, and who's just taking from you. Derek, you are reading somebody's mail, I promise. <laughs> Seriously, I know that resonates with so many people. When you said rate your circle, and there are times of the year, the first of year, New Year's, people are really looking around and making changes. So those are just some great examples. What about toxic relationships? How do you help people work through? And once you've looked at your circle and you figure out that, hey, my best friend since junior high is really a toxic person. And she brings my energy down. How do I deal with that? That's a great question. So I like to play chess with words. And I don't mean that in like a condescending or snaky way. But here's the example. If we've been friends with her for 10 plus years, we grew up together. But at one year, I'd say five years in, they just got stagnant. And they really didn't do self-development. They really didn't want to make a career change. We still love them as a person, as a friend. But we're doing so much self-work and working on tasks and have a team and managing people and they don't understand all the responsibilities that we have. So a way to approach them would be, have you noticed that when you act like this, you're not as happy or focused. And when you act like this, I noticed that you're not so happy with yourself. And the reason I'm bringing it up is we've been friends for a while. I love our friendship and relationship, but I want to make sure that we don't lose this connection that we have because you're staying in this state. Does that make any sense? And basically this is an analogy or, or excuse me, this is a phrase or a paragraph. Somebody could text somebody, somebody could say to them. And so it's just bringing it up front. So we're not saying, Hey, 
<laughs> you're not doing your thing. We're not trying to point the finger and make them feel like they're being pointed at or called out. It's more so, hey, we've been friends for 10 plus years. I really appreciate you being in my life, but have you noticed that? And then you plug in whatever you've noticed. Maybe they're drinking more. Maybe they're only complaining and only talking negative, whatever their thing is. And you plug that in. And then you just mentioned something positive. But I noticed when you do X, Y, Z, you're in a much better state. Have you noticed that lately you've just been really low? Kind of put the ball in their court, but we opened up the conversation as friends instead of, hey, you're doing this and I want you to do that. So we're not just trying to point the finger. It's all about how you open it. So on the flip side, the extreme side, which is very common, most people, they send a text, hey, we need to talk. <laughs> Everybody's going to open that up and be like, oh, you know what's going to happen? Now? Like, that's the worst thing we could do because people are just assuming the worst or, hey, Friday, can we sit down and talk? It's like, there's a much more strategic way to go with it. And then on the flip side is if this friend or family member is very toxic, we really have to look at ourselves. One of my favorite quotes by Tony Robbins is you get what you tolerate. You get what you tolerate. So if we're tolerating a negative feedback loop from said person, when we can read them, we're like, all right, he or she's good for two days, but every two days they're going to do that little thing again. And one of the best things that I did for myself and I tell my friends, just tell clients this is I changed my phone number about six years ago. The reason why a lot of my family on both sides are alcoholics and they're just going through the own thing. And it was really affecting my personal life and my relationship because I would get 20 or 30 drunk voicemails a day and like paragraph texts of just ranting. Remember we were 16 and did this? Like basically ranting that had nothing to do with the current situation. And it would just irritate me. And I felt like I was draining, I was getting mentally drained and it was affecting my flow. I'm a positive person, but internally I would just be aggravated. And I noticed I'd be very tense. And I said, you know what? Why don't I just change my phone number? And to me and my mental health, that was the best thing I ever did. Family, they can still contact me on Facebook, email, Instagram, wherever, but they end up in the message request folder. And it's my responsibility to say, who do I hit accept and respond or who, who do I not need to respond to? So I'm not telling people to cut off all their family. All I'm just saying is that we have to assess who are we allowing to have contact with us? Because not everybody deserves contact with you all the time because sometimes they're just spewing negativity. So that was a huge thing that helped me was to change my phone number. So nowadays it's just my clients or my friends. So when it lights up, it's never a toxic family member. If they message me on social media, it ends up in a certain folder because you can have settings and parameters in there. And then I can check that, but it doesn't throw off my mental zone or my current state. So those will definitely be things that'll help. You may want to change the phone number. You may need to get rid of some people, unfriend or block on social media, or you might just need to speak to that friend who, you know, they are going through something and maybe they've been stuck in this zone for a while and just bringing up the best version of themselves. Like, Hey, remember in 2018 where you were working out and you were doing this and man, you remember how happy you were lately? I've noticed you've been doing this. Have you noticed that? It's just put it up in the air, but they'll appreciate it. It might be uncomfortable at first, but afterwards they'll send a text days or hours later and say, Hey, I appreciate you speaking up about that. Cause we're not calling them out. We're more so bringing up their good experiences for themselves and with you. And we just want more of that. Cause if not, that connection might be lost. And Derek, those are such hard conversations um, to initiate either in person or by text. And it's interesting what you said about your phone, because I shared something with my daughter who is a teenager. Oh my gosh. But we talked about information and access. People may have your information 
which is your phone number. And they think that entitles them to access to you. No, just because you have my information does not equal access to me. So we talked about limiting access to her phone and the way that she uses her phone. And I'm definitely going to share this episode with her because there are so many great tips. So she's in the process now. She's in college and she's navigating different relationships. What is your advice when you come to the realization that a relationship may not be able to be salvaged? How do you approach dealing with that after you've gone through the steps, you've assessed it, you've had that conversation, and it looks like you may not be able to continue in the same way with that person? I would just really, I'm a realist, as in, I just like to see things black and white as it is right now. And I would challenge her, whoever's in a similar situation to say, what is the historical data? What is the past experiences with said person? And just look at it as a science project again and say, with said person, how have my past six months been with this person? If negativity overrides positivity, then that right there is what it is right now. Because sometimes people will say, two years ago, the relationship was amazing and this, and they're hoping that time or energy or love and affection will come again. But they have historical data proof of X months, X weeks, X years, where it was far from that positivity. It was just like... They'd come around and you just feel the elephant in the room or they text you and you can feel the energy through your phone or whatever it is. But that person just has to accept what it is right now. And I'm not saying that people can't change, but if they don't see that someone is doing the steps for themselves, not for the relationship or for the other person, but if somebody isn't doing their own personal development, then honestly, it's just going to be an endless loop because unless they're doing the self-work, they're not going to have long-term growth. Because in some relationships, the person will say, right, you're right. Let's work on this. Two months later, they go back to the same cycle. They're just saying yes to please said person, but deep down, they don't want to do the work yet. Not everyone does. And sometimes we just have to accept some people just aren't ready to face themselves. And so I just like to give people that different perspective to say, where's that person at? Where are we at? And is he or she even making any changes to work on themselves? Because if not, People are good at saying yes, and they're good at putting on the happy face for two weeks or for the holidays. And then you get back in the car, they take the mask off and they're like, oh, back to this nonsense. (laughs) Sometimes we just got to be blunt with ourselves and really just look at the facts that are in our face instead of what we hope it will be or where we wish it will be of what it was in the past. And then from there, just seeing, man, excuse me, how much energy have I been wasting or time? And has it affected my workflow? Have my friends said that I've been different? And really looking at it because usually that friendship or that relationship will affect every other area of that person's life. Like their energy will be drained, their sales calls or presentations at work will be different. People will start noticing like, hey, is everything okay? And if people are asking, they can sense the energy. So that's a huge red flag there that it's going to spill into other areas where that person might become somebody else because that relationship just drains them so much and uh, A common thing that I see is that if somebody's in that cycle and they continue it, their goals, dreams, and aspirations were up here and they start to diminish them because whoever they're with may be talking down to them so much. And then their whole perspective flips and they say, I'm the problem. I'm this, I'm that. And they literally start to tell themselves that story, which is never their story from the beginning. It's the story they hear from the toxic person like whatever he or she is telling them, but that's what will happen long-term and that person tends to live there. And I'm just bringing up all these perspectives and scenarios because these are real things that happen. So somebody just has to assess where are we at? And it's usually 
identifying what have I allowed and is said person really doing any self-work or are they just playing the happy face for a month or two and then the cycle starts again or when they start drinking, whatever the scenario is. But it's just more about we have to respect and love ourselves because if not, we're going to infect other people with that energy. We're going to come off annoyed. We're going to come off angry. And honestly, like that was me. I'm a positive person. I'm always a motivator for everyone. But when I always gave family access to me, I was holding so much anger. And I felt like that 15-year-old again who was like living in a toxic environment. I was like, all right, this is really affecting relationship. And I was still nice to people, but it felt forced. because I was just honestly just pissed off all the time (laughs) getting texts like that. So I had to set the boundaries. So I hope that helps someone. But the best thing that somebody could do, there's a term called perspective hopping. When somebody has the skill to perspective hop without self-judgment, they can make the best decision. Where am I at right now? Where was it in the past? Where do I want it to go? My younger version, my past version, and really just zooming out and saying, all right, enough is enough. I need to move forward solo or let's make a change together. Derek, if you had one piece of advice to share with an entrepreneur on how to take these strategies for life, for relationships, what would it be? I would challenge them to see what can you do to become the person that you would be proud of and how can you give that person to others? What can you do to become that person that you would be proud of and how can you give them to others? Because I feel like everything is full circle. If we're not doing the inner work, eventually family relationships are going to be affected. If we are, eventually all those things will go up as well. So who do you have to become and how can you give that person to others? Because when we love the person we see in the mirror, when we're proud of them, we're excited, people are going to feel that radiating energy. They're going to be like, wow, they're really focused. I want to, <laughs> I don't know what they're on, but I need to be on that sauce, <laughs> like whatever it is. So what can you do to become that person and how can you give him or her to others? Look, thank you so much. And tell people how they can reach you if they're interested in working with you or just have more questions about what you do and how you do it. For sure. I appreciate it. So they can reach me on social media at Fit with Derek 2 That's D-E-R-I-C-K. And the website for my coaching is fitwithderek.com. My intent with it is just to show real people with real results. Some are strictly fitness and others are life coaching, as in toxic relationships, overcoming divorces having crippling social anxiety, maybe crushing it in sales, but having two divorces, like whatever the case may be, but they will see real examples of real people, pictures and videos, and they might relate to some of them. And social media, my intent is just to plant seeds. If you hit snooze too many times, needing too much sugar, if you've been allowing that X to come back into your life, my content is about those topics and be like, oh yeah, he's talking to me. (laughs) All I do is plant seeds. And they're like, hey, I appreciate that video. Nobody else will tell me that, but it's all from a point of love. Thank you so much. And until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode and remember to play big faster. 